What's up, everybody? Welcome to the world-famous Tom and Hawk Football Show presented by Amazon Music. I am Andrew Hawkins, joined by the humblest of all co-hosts in all the land, my man, Joe Thomas. Joe, what's up, man? Not too much, my friend. It's the meat of the NFL season right here in the middle, coming up on the trade deadline, which was always my favorite time of year. It was like a holiday for me because it seemed like every single year my name was on the trading block. (laughs) Must be nice to be on a, a terrible team and be the only good player that someone wants to trade for. Wow. You're saying that one in 31 is not your desired outcome over a couple years span? (laughs) I'm just, I'm not saying it's not my desired outcome. I'm also not saying that I might not trade you before the the trade deadline, Um, (laughs) which is, let's let's actually start in Tennessee a little bit, Joe. Derrick Henry goes down with a foot injury. Derrick Henry gets almost 1,000 carries per game. He is one of the only running backs who still carries the brunt of the offensive load in the NFL, the only probably single back system and the lifeblood of the Tennessee Titans football team. He goes down with a foot injury. He's gone for the rest of the year. My fantasy team now sucks, which my son made sure to tell me about this morning and laughed in my face. Um, For you, what are your first thoughts here? No Derrick Henry for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, my first thoughts are, this is the danger of building your roster around a position where, hey, your linchpin is this dude. If he's not there, you got no chance. If he's there, you got a chance, which is usually the quarterback position, right? Mm -hmm. But in this case, it was the running back position. And if you build your roster around a guy that's getting tackled 25 to 30 times a game, the law of averages say, even if you have a big war horse like Derrick Henry, at some point, they're probably going to get nicked up. And at that point, if you don't have a second punch, your season's over. And unfortunately for Tennessee, they don't have a great quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. They have a good quarterback. And it remains to be seen if Ryan Tannehill can make enough plays to be able to keep them in games to give them a chance to win and get to the playoffs. Now, they're in pretty good control of the AFC South. They're in good position in the AFC because it's kind of the jumbled upside down conference that uh, there's nobody that's really great like in the NFC. There's a bunch of good teams. There's a bunch of eh, mediocre teams. So they have a chance to still make the playoffs, but can they make a run without Derrick Henry? I don't know. Is it good to build your entire team's fortune and your uh, head coach and your all of your coaching staff's family putting food on their table future on a running back Eh, i'm not sure if that's the right plan in uh 2021 it worked for him thus far though right like if he doesn't get hurt i mean they had a a pretty good run they've had a better run than we expected the tennessee titans to have probably over the last three or four years right they've turned into this team yeah but my point is are you trying to win super bowls of course you're trying trying to win super Super bowls or are you trying to be good if you were trying to win super bowls it's not, in my opinion, a great strategy to build everything around that running back position because inevitably they're going to be hurt. Give me the alternative. Give me a team that built their team around the quarterback that isn't a, a future, a, a bona fide future Hall of Famer that gave them a chance to win the Super Bowl. That's my point. You have to find the great quarterback or you don't have a chance or, to really win the, the Super Bowl. Or the great running back. That's my argument, that the Tennessee Titans came a lot closer to the Super Bowl than a lot of teams who built their teams around quarterbacks. <laughs> I feel like that's a silly argument because most teams are trying to build their team around a great quarterback. That's why all the great teams in the NFC right now, which we agree the five best teams in the NFL are all from the N- NFC. They're all built around a quarterback. Dak Prescott in Dallas, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, Kyler Murray in Arizona. 
Matt Stafford in LA. I mean, look what they gave up this offseason to get Matt Stafford to build around that quarterback because they had all those pieces, but they needed the did quarterback. Did they build around the quarterback? And we'll here, no, yes, yes. Tennessee did it differently. They said, no, no, we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're not going to give anybody more than 7% of our salary cap because we're going to spread it out to everybody on the team. It's almost like trying to win with that rookie wage scale, right? When you have the rookie contract at quarterback, the idea is, Hey, we don't have to pay the quarterback that much so we can build a lot of good players around him. We can pick up guys from other teams. We can get good second round draft picks like AJ Brown was and Derrick Henry. And then you can trade for receivers like Julio Jones. But if you don't have that great quarterback, this is what happens. Listen, I understand what you mean by building around a great quarterback. What I'm saying is they built around a running back, and they came a lot closer to the Super Bowl than the majority of teams over the last couple of years. I mean, think of the teams they beat in the playoffs. They beat Tom Brady and the Patriots in the playoffs. They beat the Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs, right? They didn't get there, but a lot of the other teams, every other team in the conference has built around a quarterback, and the Tennessee Titans have been good for, what, three or four years, as, as long as Derrick Henry has been the man. And I think Derrick Henry is special. I don't think they started out thinking, hey, we're going to build around this running back. Even this year, I think they came into the season, they went and got Julio Jones, and the reason why they started slow was because they're like, oh, we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to get a little bit more balance as an offense. We're going to pass. And then after like two to three to four weeks, they're like, yeah, no, we just got to give the ball to Derrick Henry because he is the lifeblood of the team. He is the offense. He can run through people. He's, he's built like a DN. He is as fast as a wide receiver. And up until he hurt his foot, he was durable. So... You're right. Now they're they're scrambling, but if a quarterback gets hurt, those same teams that build around quarterbacks, they're also scrambling, which is a great segue to the oh. New Orleans Saints, who oh. also lost James Winston. the last Winston. say on this because <laughs> hey, this I'm not going to let that happen first. Well, no, 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 you, no, no. We, we got to start putting a time a on this no, no, because you get way more time <laughs> than I get on topics, and I'm not going to let I, that fly. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. However, the whole point is to win a Super Bowl, and I'm not saying they weren't good or they can't be good, but the Joe Thomas theory of winning a Super Bowl is great. Please quarterback. give us the Joe Thomas Cleveland Browns theory of winning a Super Bowl. We we we're, we're, we're locked in. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you. After all my <laughs> Super Bowl championships, I'm telling you all about it. It is you have to have a great quarterback. Boom. And then you also have to have something else that's great. It can be a great group of receivers. It can be a great offensive line. It can be a great defensive line or a great defense. But without a, you can't have. B and a Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. So you need to have A and then B can be whatever else you want. So here's what happens. Case in point, the Titans have been really good. They get to the playoffs and in the playoffs, inevitably you're going to run into somebody who's got a good running defense, who's got a good game plan for Derrick Henry. And then what's the next punch? Like what's your second pitch? You have to be able to have that quarterback that can win that game in the case of getting your run game shut down. The Titans didn't have it. Or the other issue is your running back gets hurt, like we've seen this year. So their chances of winning the Super Bowl, eh, very small. Next okay. topic. Nope, we're not we're not going now because I gotta I gotta kick you back a question. <laughs> Give me your examples of why uh, you need a great quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Name me the great quarterbacks who have won a Super Bowl. Now this will be my last point. Wait a Give second. Name you the great quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, over the last okay. 15 years. Fifteen okay. years. I, I, without having any information in front of me, if you yep. look back in the last thirty years, I can think 15. of two Give me the last teams. Fifteen years. How about how about thirty? Two teams that have won a Super Bowl without a great quarterback. That was Joe okay. Flacco with the Ravens and Trent Dilfer with the Baltimore Ravens. I didn't ask Ravens. that, Joe. I asked who won the Super Bowl. Don't give me the don'ts. Give me who won the Super Bowl. Name them with a great quarterback. Name me the great the quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, 
Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady's won like a hundred of them. I mean, you should know that. You were locker mates with the guy. He put you in his little cubby. He put put you in his cubby while you were there in the spring before you actually got a real locker. Me and Tom Brady are best friends. That has nothing to do. That story, keep going. Drew Brees. All of them. Peyton Manning. Drew Brees. Peyton Manning. You're you're basically making the argument for me. I I have no idea what you're saying. What I'm making the argument is, you don't need a good quarterback. You need a Hall of Fame quarterback. And those don't grow on trees. So having Derrick Henry, who is a Hall of Fame running back, is a better option than having just an average quarterback. Because average quarterbacks, or even just good quarterbacks, don't win the Super Bowl. Hall of Fame ones do. And who the hell can pick a Hall of Fame quarterback out the gate? That's my point. And I'm actually really proud of that point. That's actually a great point, which which uh, leads us to the next segment, because we actually ended up agreeing on this in the end, <laughs> because your point was, hey, Tennessee, they want a Hall of Fame quarterback. They just couldn't get it. So their next exactly. best is their next best thing is, hey, let's get a great maybe Hall of Fame running back and try to keep our jobs as long as we can until maybe we can f- find a Hall of Fame <laughs> running back or a Hall of Fame quarterback exactly. that falls off of a tree like an Aaron Rodgers who <laughs> might get traded to Tennessee in the offseason. I don't know. You heard it here oh. first. All right, let's move on to the next topic. We should talk about Jameis Winston because we're on injuries. All right, let's talk about Jameis Winston. Let's talk about baby. Let's talk about Jameis baby. <laughs> so Jameis Winston goes out with an ACL tear against his old team. The Saints actually pulled a win out against Tom Brady, um, but they lose him for the rest of the year. Trevor Simeon comes in, plays well. Um, Taysom Hill should be coming back soon, so I'm not quite sure which direction they're going to go in. They have a really good defense anchored by guys like Malcolm Jenkins, Demario Davis, Cam Jordan. Um, my question to you, Joe, are the Saints still uh, a contender without Jameis Winston? Do you think this changes their ceiling of what this season could be? I see the ceiling on the Saints as the ceiling on all the other teams in the NFL that don't have a great quarterback. They can make a run. They can knock anybody off but they won't have enough firepower to be able to go through the playoffs to win the Super Bowl. Because like I said, the Joe Thomas theory of winning a Super Bowl, got to have a great quarterback, and you got to do something else. The Saints, they have a great defense. They have an aggressive defense. They're probably the most physical, get-after-your-ass defense that we've seen in the NFL since the Baltimore Ravens of the 2000s. But with Trevor Simeon, even if they sign Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers or Cam Newton, they don't have enough firepower on the offensive side of the football when if their defense isn't having a great day or if they're playing against a Tom Brady or one of these guys like an Aaron Rodgers who just torches them or a Kyler Murray. Like They don't have anybody on the other side that can go blow for blow with a great quarterback on the other team. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all that. I'm not even going to belabor <laughs> that point. Our former teammate, Demario Davis, just – with his attitude and his headband, <laughs> just blowing up stuff in the run game. He's an old school linebacker. You don't see guys that are built like that anymore. You see way more guys like the the Jeremiah Wusukormo, the 215, 220 pound dudes that can play safety. They can come down in the box. They can run sideline to sideline. But I think that's one of the things that I, I've always admired about the NFL is it it's it reflects life a little bit as far as when you do something different, a lot of times you gain an advantage because Everybody is trying so hard to find the same players to fit the same offenses and the same defenses. And this is what Bill Belichick did brilliantly for all those years. He took the dudes that nobody wanted and then created an offense and a defense around that because he figured that those were the valued players, a value from a undervalue standpoint, because Mm -hmm. they're what everybody wanted. Supply and demand was 
something that they didn't value as much. So they were able to get the discount players and then get them to work hard and get them good coaching and a smart offense and a smart defense. And they produced amazing results. And I think that's a little bit what the Saints have done, especially when you look at kind of a guy like Demario Davis. He's a downhill, knock him back uh, linebacker that you can rush the passer with, you can blitz with, he can blow people up that are coming across in the shallow crossers. And so I kind of admire the way this defense plays. It's fun to watch him. It is, man. And I'm not going to go X and O's. Um, I think you just killed that. But Demario Davis, it's funny. It's funny watching him, man. That's our guy. We play with him in Cleveland. And everyone loves uh, his spirit, his like. Lots of spirit. His energy. Sometimes too much spirit for a guy that. It's funny because we were not. That didn't have a lot of spirit. We were just like, (laughs) fuck this. Let's just go do our job. We sucked in Cleveland. So for people listening, Demario Davis gives the most passionate pre-game speeches, motivational speeches. You've seen him in the huddle with New Orleans. You've seen the clips. You hear people talk about him. You you can't imagine after like speech 10 and we're 0 and 10. And <laughs> literally, I mean, it, it was a, it was like a master's class on um people's own motivations and how circumstances change that. Because by the 10th time, Demario was getting drained. He was like, I don't even know what to say at this point. Literally, <laughs> nothing worked. So me and you would be in the back of the huddle like, oh, man, I, our guy is swimming up there. He's trying. He's trying to find it. So good for him going to find a, a, a home and going to the Saints and, again, becoming literally probably one of, if not the best linebacker in the NFL. That's amazing. Probably the biggest news of the NFL this week. Absolutely the biggest news. Von Miller gets traded to the Los Angeles Rams and adds to a defense that already has Aaron Donald, the best defensive lineman of all time, and Jalen Ramsey, the best cornerback in the National Football League. Joe, does this make the Rams your favorite to win the Super Bowl? It does. After watching the Packers on Thursday night football, they blew me away with their ability to win in different ways. Like they didn't have their top two receivers going against at that time, in my opinion, the best team in the NFL and the Arizona Cardinals. And they pretty much limited Kyler Murray and on offense. They just ran the ball. They said, hey, I know we got maybe the greatest quarterback uh, talent wise of all time in Aaron Rodgers, but eh, we're good. We're just going to turn around, hand the ball off and just bludgeon you up the middle. So with with the Packers, I, I love them as my favorite team. But then the one thing that I thought the Rams could maybe take their game to the next level with, because their offense is, if not the best, it's like 1B in the NFL right now. Um, but I thought, you know what, if they could get a little more pass rush, um, if they could be a little bit more disruptive up front, like that is that other thing that they needed to be able to just breeze through the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. And now that they're able to get Von Miller on the edge, what that does is because Aaron Donald gets so much penetration and push in the middle of the pocket, a lot of times quarterbacks, they can move side to side or they can back up um, because they didn't have great edge rush. But now with Von Miller on the edge, he is a beast coming around the edge. He wins off the snap so quickly. He can dip and rip. He can get around to the edge. And he doesn't allow the quarterbacks to go backwards or side to side. And their only option is to try to step up, which, oh, there's Mr. Donald there standing there ready to take your lunch money. So this makes that front the most dominant front in the NFL. And then you couple that with all the other pieces they got. That's the best team in the NFL, hands down. I still don't think they win the Super Bowl. Because I think I think I think it's a I think it's a great trade. I get it. 
the two best pass rushers of the last decade together on the same defense is very, very scary. But for the same reasons we talked about already, I don't want to say I'm questioning Matt Stafford, but his Hall of Fame status hinges on whether they win the Super Bowl yeah. probably this year. I mean, his his numbers have always been there. Yeah, he has great numbers, great, incredible numbers. It's But it's like when there's two minutes left in a game and Matt Stafford gets the ball back, and this is the oddest question because I know my answer. Are you like, oh, man, they gave Matt Stafford too much time? Like you do with Tom Brady. Like you probably do with uh, Russell Wilson. Like you do with, shoot, even Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, right? If there's two minutes left, they're down three. They get the ball back. Are you like, man, they, he can go down there and score. And I'm not, I'm not knocking Matt Stafford. He's an incredible quarterback. He's on the fringe of Hall of Fame because of his numbers are, are ridiculous. I just... For whatever reason, and maybe it's his lifelong career in Detroit, I just never got that feeling. Yeah, it's because he's been wearing that lion on the side of his helmet forever. You are Very you true. are completely biased by that filter that which you are seeing Matt Stafford. <laughs> oh, Detroit Lions, 0-17. You're seeing Dan Orlovsky right now in his <laughs> Lions helmet on that 0-16 team, and you're thinking, that's Matt Stafford. That's not Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford now plays for the LA Rams. He is reborn. You remember when Stafford ran out the back of the end zone? Yeah, that, that was Matt Stafford that ran out the back of the end zone. That was beautiful. That was actually me. I'm not sure if you remember that. I played quarterback earlier. Oh, yeah, I do. Career, but. All right, so Von Miller gets traded after a long career in Denver. You know you know about this. We talked about this kind of. Yeah. We teased it. Mm-hmm. You were always on the trading block because you were the only thing of value for the Cleveland Browns for like a decade. And they would always be like, hey, man, why are you letting that good old tackle sit there and, and, and go to waste? <laughs> There's plenty of people starving over here that would love to have a bite of that. <laughs> Why are you letting that nice meat over there just <laughs> yeah. rot? Just go just set rot. it somewhere else, and there's some hungry people that could really use it. They'd, they'd even give you some some wine, some sour wine for that meat. <laughs> All right, so you were on the trading block, I think, in 2016 or 15. Uh, something like that, yeah. You were very, very close to actually being traded to a Super Bowl Denver Bronco team. I yes. remember this day like it was yesterday. Mm. You were walking around like, you know, someone had given you a wedgie in the bathroom. Man, and I like, was sweating it out. I you couldn't sick. wait to go home and tell your parents you wanted to just go home and lay down. Walk us through like what that was like and why ultimately you didn't want to be traded, even though they went and won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, what was that? What is that like? As a competitor, Hawk, you, you understand this. Like, you have to get yourself in the mindset that I have hope that we can win with this team. Because if you don't have hope in your own mind, like, you're not going to get the best out of yourself. My great friend, Michael Irvin, always says hope breeds effort. And so you get yourself in that mindset at the beginning of the year. Yeah, uh, Josh McCown, he is definitely a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Andrew Hawkins, he's one of the best slot receivers of all time. We got all the pieces we need. We can win a Super Bowl this year, right? (laughs) So that was part of it. So I had had like convinced myself that the Browns were (laughs) just on the doorstep of winning a Super Bowl, even though we were like, what, one in 15 that year? Um, (laughs) So close. But. Yes, we we're so close. We we're right there. But uh, more more than that, when I got drafted in Cleveland, I like instantly fell in love with the people and the region and the team and their history and the fishing in Lake Erie and the hunting in the area. And like my family was raised there, and we were, we having kids there, and like I, I felt like a Clevelander, and I still do. And so I wanted to be part of the turnaround because I always thought that that would have been the penultimate, if that's the right use of the word, I'm not sure. Maybe you can tweet mm-hmm. at me at Joe Thomas 73 and tell me if that's right or wrong. But yeah, I, I always would felt like the the ultimate feeling 
in, and story in sports is like when you take a team and you're part of building something from the ground up that has maybe been a once proud franchise. And then all of a sudden you're there when they're in their doldrums, like the absolute worst days of the franchise and you build it back up and you see it on the way to a championship. I, I think there's something a little bit hollow about like just finding a team that's already really good and joining it and then winning a Super Bowl. Yes, it would be nice to have a Super Bowl ring and be a Super Bowl <laughs> champion. Don't get me wrong now. I would love that. But to not be there from the ground up, to build it out of nothing, I think w- would leave a little luster off of it. And so for me, I always had this dream of being part of that building process in Cleveland. And so I didn't want to give up on it when in my mind I tricked myself to think that we were close. Yeah, that's uh, not me not based in reality clearly yeah clearly <laughs> i won one game in my last two years in cleveland my last year i basically packed my bag showed up at the new england patriots facility unannounced yes. it was like hey <laughs> i'll take whatever you give me if you let me get one of those rings you got in there yeah um so von miller he already won a super bowl with the denver broncos That's so it's true. a little different but in in that trade scenario where you were getting traded to the broncos you have a pretty cool story from a certain quarterback. I don't know. You want to tell that story? Yeah, real quickly, because uh, we don't want to belabor the point like we always do. But uh, yeah. Peyton Manning wanted a left tackle because they're all pro left tackle had been hurt. And so Elway was on the phone with our general manager at Cleveland and trying to get the deal done. And like th- they were close, I think, on compensation. But our GM kind of was got a little cold feet because in the end, really, it was kind of a no win. Like he trades me and then um, – the fan base hated him because people like me a little bit in Cleveland, unlike mm-hmm. you, Hawk, because I actually yep. signed autographs for fans when I saw him in the mall and <laughs> took pictures with people unlike you. Uh, and uh, basically what happened is the GM was like, I'm just going to kind of let the clock run out. And the only way this gets done is if Joe demands a trade. And so I'm sitting in bed one night with my wife watching like Monday Night Football. This was maybe a week before the trade deadline. And I get a call from a, a Denver number. I'm like, hmm, that's weird. And, and uh, I didn't answer it. And then I get a text and it said, hey, man, give me a call. This is your drinking buddy from the Pro Bowl. I'm like, hmm, there's only <laughs> one guy from Denver that I know that was my drinking buddy at the Pro Bowl. And that was my agent. But there's maybe another guy <laughs> that I can remember now. And that's Peyton Manning. And so I picked it up and he's like, you know, we were shooting the breeze. Hey, man, this is Peyton. Um, as you know, Ryan Clady got hurt, and we need a left tackle. Do you want to win a Super Bowl with me? And I'm like, that sounds really fun. And I don't think anybody tells Peyton Manning no, but I'm like, I really like Cleveland. He's like, all right, here's the game plan. Go in your GM's office when he's not there. Pull your pants down and take a shit on his desk. And he's like, <laughs> then they can't do anything but trade you, and then you can come win a Super Bowl with me. And I'm like, Peyton, I appreciate your uh, your humor as always i appreciate <laughs> that you want me that me that really gives me a lot of warm and fuzzies but i'm not going to be able to poop on my gm's desk yeah man you're an idiot um yeah, so what an idiot. the ending is the denver broncos went on to win the super bowl um paid manning then uh starts the manning <laughs> they cast, did which this is, is true he didn't make that up they, they won the super bowl he ends up starting the manning cast and all of his best friends get to go on the show joe has yeah. not gotten a call yet <laughs> to join the manning cast and yes. take his sports media career to the next level we're going to talk Packers. They're good. They beat the Cardinals. That's a really big deal with no receivers, right? Like, so mm-hmm. you have the Rams, number one now with the Von Miller. You have the Packers, number two, on your NFL power rankings, Joe? Yeah, I like the Packers, number two. And I think part of that is, like, their ability to win in different ways. But part of that is our boy, Matt LaFleur. I, yeah. uh, I always got to remind everybody that I, when Green Bay was, like, kind of going through the, hey, we should fire Mike McCarthy mode, I was doing local radio in Milwaukee and Madison. And I was like, keep your eye on this guy, Matt LaFleur. 
he runs a great offense. It'd be perfect for Aaron Rodgers. And I feel like a young guy coming in with Aaron would be perfect because there wouldn't be like a power struggle that you see with Aaron and some of these older coaches because he would just be able to kind of be his buddy and they would be on the same page and he would just bring information to Aaron and they could use that synergy to work together in a great partnership. And I'm like, this is the offense that uh, Aaron Rodgers would be perfect in because mm-hmm. Mike LaFleur, who's Matt LaFleur's brother, was with us in Cleveland running the Shannon offense and Matt LaFleur what runs the Shannon offense. So I, I thought it would have been perfect. And so um, I also think Matt LaFleur is super bright and a great coach. And e- even when he got hired in Green Bay, people were like, I don't know, he's pretty good looking, but he does he have the ability to stand in front but of men and plays. be a leader? He's yeah, hot, can he call plays? but does yeah. he know offense? But I'm like, he's, he's a really good coach. Like he can put together a great staff. And I think you've seen that because they've been dealt a incredibly bad hand with injuries to like legitimately all of their important positions yeah. except for quarterback, like left tackle, pass rusher, uh, lockdown cornerback, and then Devontae gets COVID. So they're dealing with a bunch of crap, and they're still winning, which is so impressive. So uh, I got them at number two. All right, I like that. I'm not going to argue that. I, I still feel really good about Tampa Bay because they're so talented. They're the defending champs. And if everyone is healthy and when they play well and Tom Brady's in playoff mode, it's like betting against Michael Jordan, man. I just don't do it. All right, Doc. I think one thing we need to talk about here is Adrian Peterson is getting signed by the Tennessee Titans. He was in my draft class, 2007. He's a hard runner. It's amazing he's got any tread left on the tire. But more than that, the thing that was interesting to me is, do you think you would have the ego to be able to look at your name going across the ticker on ESPN? Andrew Hawkins, 37 years old, signed to the practice squad. Would you be able to put your ego aside to accept that fate, even though it's probably just a formality? They're probably going to sign him to the practice squad for a few days and then transition him and then pull him up to the active roster when he's ready. Yes. I think that the practice squad is different than we were there, Joe. So it's like it's like a true practice squad. He's making probably the money that he's going to make with the team. It's just that, hey, instead of using a roster spot, you're 96-year-old running back. Let's at least get your knees used to back running around. And, you know, so we don't waste one of the 50, you know, active players on the, the 53-man roster. Let's just get you back to practicing. And also, the I'm a practice squad player. I started at the practice squad. So there would be no ego for me. But I'm also not the fifth all-time leading rusher in NFL history. So <laughs> yeah, right. it's a little, it's kind of the same, but a little different. So what do you think their plans are? What do you I, I, see? It would be really hard for me because I know that all my buddies back home they like to rip me a little bit, and uh, there'd be a lot of photos of "Hey man, congrats on signing to the practice squad! <laughs> <laughs> Ten Pro Bowls in a practice squad! You got that on your Hall of Fame resume. Nice work." Yeah, I think that, I think I honestly think it's just like, yo, you're 36 years old. You haven't been playing football. Let's just get you in here and get you used to running around, and then once yeah. you're ready, once you decide you're ready, and we decide yeah. you're ready. Then we'll put you in on game day and, you know, you'll probably play a lot more than people realize. He scored seven touchdowns last year with, for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, he was actually pretty good. Like, I'm, I'm amazed that him and Tom Brady have uh, defeated the undefeated father time somehow. And they're still running around like they're 25-year-old kids. It's, it's pretty wild. remarkable. And I need to start drinking whatever water they're drinking. or Maybe, maybe they're not drinking what we're drinking, Hawk. Maybe they're <laughs> maybe. not drinking that bourbon every night like we yeah. are. You think, that, you think that's it? I thought when we were playing the 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 weekly the nightly team meetings of bourbon, um, I thought that was going to get us over the edge in Cleveland and bring that yeah. Super Bowl you wanted so bad. 
the heck? Uh, apparently the secrets to success book that I read when I was in college, <laughs> it didn't uh, ring true throughout the NFL. Like drink as much as you can after every game, <laughs> stay out as late as you possibly can and party your butt off. <laughs> That'll do it. Last topic of this block, Calvin Ridley, Atlanta Falcons wide receiver announced on Twitter Sunday that he'd be stepping away from football this, this time to focus on his mental well-being. What are your top line thoughts there, Joe? Well, my first thought is I'm so proud and not happy as the right word, but like very satisfied for him that he felt comfortable enough to be able to come forward and make public this mental health that he's been dealing with and give himself the time to get healthy, to step away from football, to find whatever he needs to make himself better as a person, as a man, as a family man, and then be able to come back to your team as a better version of yourself, to be able to give your team everything that they need out of you. Uh, because for so long, there was a big stigma about mental health, especially with men, especially with football players who are supposed to be tough and you're just supposed to kind of hide that type of stuff. But if you do that, it festers and it can lead to a lot of other issues. And in the meantime, while you're letting that thing fester inside of you, you're probably not going to be at your best and you're probably not the type of teammate that people can count on. And so for him, I think this is great. I think this is great for everybody, you know, globally to hear that, hey, this big, strong man is not afraid to say, hey, I'm dealing with something. I need some time. I need to go get professional help. Um, I've talked about it a lot. Like, my last couple of years in Cleveland, the, the losing really wore at me to the point where I, I needed to talk to somebody about it. I talked to the team psychologist in Cleveland for just a few weeks, and it made such a difference to be able to just talk to somebody, to be able to let people know that I'm not okay, I need help. And just talking about it, it made me feel a lot better. The psychologist gave me some coping mechanisms to be able to kind of handle it, to be able to compartmentalize, to be able to move on and be a better version of myself. And ultimately, it helped me become a better player, a better father, a better man. And I hope the same for Calvin Ridley. Yeah, it, it definitely marks a, a maturation, I feel like, in the NFL. Prioritizing the mental health aspect. Health, Mental health is health, right? You wouldn't have somebody try to play through a torn ACL or a broken ankle or you know, and, and if you're if your mental is is that debilitating, it it feels very similar trying to play a football game under those circumstances. Maybe even harder, to be honest. Um, so I, I'm 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 happy that he made this decision. I think he it will be better for him. I think it'll be better for the Atlanta Falcons. And it really just I mean, when we played, and I don't I don't think this is the case anymore, but like when I got to the league, I would come in with the flu. 102 degree temperature throwing up like couldn't see straight and just wanted to be in my bed and you know what they would do they would say yeah go lay on the training table all day like basically you can't even go home for being sick like you sit here in isolation we'll just look at you all day like i did i would i would be so much better off being in my own bed getting better but it, this is the mindset that, that the nfl had at the time and to see i don't think now, that's necessarily a bad mindset when it comes to like dis, like disease and injury because you know why because guys like you hawk would take advantage of it oh, because you'd on. go out and get hammered and go out with your buddies <laughs> all night and call in the morning oh i'm so sick i can't come in me and johnny man's i mean um me and the wife got the flu can i just sleep it off in bed today no they want to see your ass in the building to prove that you're actually sick and you're not just hung over i'm okay with coming in take my temperature when it shows 102.5 
let me go home and lay down in my bed and eat some Campbell's soup. That's that's all I'm saying. All right, that's fair. Free pub there for old Chunky for uh, Coach Sean <laughs> McVeigh. There, I see him on those Campbell soup commercials. Yeah, why did they stop good, letting the moms? <laughs> How, how, how sad is that? I didn't. I, I did not like that they're not doing the moms anymore, and I don't like that they're not doing the offensive linemen. Like, remember when uh, Donovan McNabb had it, and he had like all of his offensive linemen. Yep. My buddy Hank Fraley was there. Uh, that was good stuff. That was when it was real chunky Chunkies. soup. Now it's like skim milk soup. Like no, nobody wants this thin ass soup with these beautiful coaches and no moms right. and no these offensive linemen. Coaches. Screw that. Yeah, I don't want man. any more beautiful coaches on my chunky soup. I want chunky soup. I want the beef, and I want it made by my mother. Period. That's right. Or a lady that's an actress that looks a lot like <laughs> oh, my yes. mother. Right. Who could definitely pass as my mother in a, in a made-for-TV movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hawk. Now it's time to play a game called Back in My Day, where we talk about what it was like when we were in the trenches. Back in my day, Hawk, football players had other jobs in the offseason. They bought their own pads if they even wore any. And they sure as hell didn't make super teams like the one the Rams are building. That voice is ridiculous. Yeah, Von Miller going to the Rams for a second and third round pick. Okay, so here's, here's my question. This makes the Rams really, really good. That we know. But with all the trades and all the acquisitions, they are mortgaging their future. Right? Like, what are they going to do if this doesn't work? That's my question. Is this a mistake? If they don't win the Super Bowl, will this be a huge mistake for this organization? I love it. They are smarter than everybody else in the NFL, right? Because this is what people were saying about this team four or five years ago when they signed <sighs> Indomitian Sue and they traded for Jalen Ramsey. But they've proven that you can just keep doing this perpetually because the, that's what happens in the draft. You draft dudes and they don't pan out. It's like less than a 50% hit rate. So instead of giving that 50% hit rate in your draft room, why don't you just give those draft picks away and then keep mortgaging your future and keep buying players, keep trading for players, and you're going to end up with guys that fit your system. Because in the draft, it's so much of a crapshoot if that guy can even fit once he gets there because you don't know what he's going to look like against NFL talent. In the NFL, you can see the guy against NFL talent. You can see exactly what he does well, exactly what he doesn't do well, and you'll know precisely where he can fit on your offense or defense. I love this approach. I think you're going to see more teams doing it. So basically, you don't need any experience to be a GM. You just do what every fan says every team should do every day yes. anyway. You should be a fantasy guru, and then you can be <laughs> the next great NFL GM. I like the trade because, like I said, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, the two best pass rushers of the last decade on the same defense. Scary, <laughs> scary stuff. And I get the strategy. My son does it every single day in Madden. Like, except there's no consequences when my son does it. And I said this on a show earlier this week. In this version, though, they got a lot of big contracts, right? And no draft picks. They, they were basically like, yo, we drafted Jared Goff in the first round of 2016. We're never doing that again. Yeah, that, that was the last time they wanted to take that risk. Yeah. Oh, we, we don't want that first pick overall. We were tired of that stuff. That didn't work out for us. They just withdrew from the draft process. That's how upset they were with that pick. Like, you know what? Yeah, we're done. What do you mean you're done? Yeah, no, we're not drafting anybody anymore. That's We're good there. But in two to three years, whether they win the Super Bowl or not, it is going to be an ugly rebuild because they have big contracts. Some of these players will be old they're gonna have to unload a lot and they won't have any picks and that walk of shame is gonna feel that much worse 
if you don't come away with a ring. And as a person, Joe, you were a part of 10 different rebuilds that they never quite got that building up. They're still working on it. There's a house that I grew up next to that they started building when I was like in third grade. Literally, a house right next to me. They were like, we're not going to go get a company. We're just going to, they're like, they started building it themselves. And I'm 35 now. That house is still not done. It's still sitting there halfway done. That's what your rebuild was like in Cleveland. It's still still trying to put the finishing touches on 20 years later. Yeah. Cle- Cleveland was different. The LA Rams are mortgaging the future. When I was in Cleveland, they were mortgaging the present. <laughs> it was <laughs> like were. in Monopoly when you have to mortgage your property and turn it over and you don't get the rent anymore. That's what happened when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the next one? Back in my day, backup players were nameless nobodies, cannon fodder per se. If you were a starter, you didn't even learn their names. You just called them by their jersey number. If you were being polite. It's really weird that you can <laughs> do a, an old man He's voice as well as you old can. old southerner. I don't know if you picked up on that little nuance there. Oh, man. Backup quarterbacks, Cooper Rush, Mike White, Geno Smith, all winners in week eight. And in the Saints game, Jameis Winston goes down and Trevor Simeon comes in to beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And P.J. Walker actually played two plays for the Panthers. So it was the weekend of the backup quarterbacks. Joe, who was your favorite backup quarterback performance from week eight? Yeah, I feel best. This You're right. This was the weekend of the backup quarterback coming through and pulling out the victory against great quarterbacks. Um, and my favorite of all those guys, I think, was Ben Roethlisberger for his ability to beat the Browns um, as a backup quarterback, as a guy that's over <laughs> his hill, that's just sort of a journeyman. Uh, I, I feel like that was probably the most surprising for me, the most disappointing for my team. Oh um, my and I think he's the guy that, out of all those people, probably have uh, the ability to lead his team the furthest in the playoffs what's your take <laughs> ben roethlisberger are you saying ben roethlisberger talent is a, is a backup's talent now <laughs> you said it not me <laughs> oh my god you said it not me there goes the steelers fans um best <laughs> backup i like cooper rush man i like cooper mm-hmm. rush because because he looks like andy dalton he looks like Andy Dalton, and Andy Dalton threw me passes and helped me build this beautiful home <laughs> studio uh, when I got paid. With the refrigerator behind that fake wall. <laughs> exactly. He helped me build this, this, this studio of lies. I like Cooper Rush because he found <laughs> out that he was a starting quarterback like five minutes before the game. He's in the prime time. He's on the road against a pretty decent team, and he's backing up Dak Prescott. Mike White balled out, but the level of expectation for him was very low. His starting quarterback has not been playing well. He plays for the Jets. You you're all, you always play better when there's no expectations, right? Because you can sneak up on people. To go into the prime time, have the whole world watching, and watch what Cooper Rush did, go down and lead a game-winning drive, I thought that was special. I'm a big fan of Cooper Rush. Last topic on this, Joe, real quick. Do the Jets have a quarterback controversy if White plays well and Wilson struggles? Yes, because I heard it from the head coach's lips to my ears. He wow. told me anything is he possible. You. Like, you know, it was funny to me listening to uh, Coach Sala after the Jets game. First of all, Mike White played fantastic. It wasn't like he was throwing checkdowns and the guys were running 90 yards in the end zone. He was throwing bombs. Like He was throwing all over the field in that huge win. I think he had over 400 yards passing. 
he missed very few throws, very few reads, and he made our guy, uh, Mike LaFleur, who's their offensive coordinator, look like the smart guy that he is. And so I was really happy for everybody. Um, Coach Sala, by all accounts, talking with uh, Kyle Shanahan drink when the Browns were looking for a new head coach. I talked to Kyle and he was like, dude, you got to get him to hire this guy. He's amazing. Um, he does such a great job with the players. He can motivate him. He's so smart. Um, Browns didn't hire him. The The Jets ended up hiring him. And um, I, I I liked him because if Kyle says somebody is amazing, like I believe him because right. Kyle was our favorite coach, uh, yep. the smartest coach I've ever been around. So his opinion carries a lot of weight for me. Um, so having Mike White there, I, I was really happy for him. And then Coach Sala, after the game, said uh, like he was talking to his buddies in a bar, like, hey, anything's possible. How about this Mike White guy? Can you believe it? He played amazing. Like instead of taking the politically correct and correct approach for your franchise and saying, no, Zach Wilson is our guy. He was the number two overall pick. We haven't given him enough help yet. So as soon as he's healthy, he's going to be back. Like that was what he should have done, but he went a little bit too honest. He gave us the barroom talk, which we all appreciate, but not good if you're a Jets fan. Yeah, or a Zach Wilson uh, family member. That's tough. I mean, I'm. I'm. <laughs> it's funny how quickly we went from uh, Zach Wilson being a future Hall of Famer before the season to now there's a quarterback <laughs> controversy in less than two months. You got to love the reality show that is the NFL. What's next, Joe? Back in my day, curses were based on totally real stuff like kicking out smelly billy goats, building stadiums on grave shots, and putting players on video game covers. But now curses extend to soft stuff like Samuel Class. Oh, I can't even say the word. I don't know what this is. It's technology. This has gone absolutely too far. So now we got a Manning cast curse. All the players who have been uh, guests on the Monday Night Football Manning cast, have lost the next week's game. We got Kelsey in week one, Russ in week one, Gronk week two, Stafford in week three, Brady in week seven. Josh Allen was on the Manning cast this week. Who do they play? The urban cowboy-led Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow. Can you imagine if the Bills lose to the Jags? Oh, my God. This is absolutely true. I do not buy into curses whatsoever. But if the Jaguars <laughs> beat the Buffalo Bills this week, the, you will not see another NFL player on absolutely the Manning not. cast. I'm and, just telling and you. Rightfully so. Manning cast. Maybe that's why they didn't bring you on, Joe. They didn't want you to have a bad uh, Tom and Hawk football show appearance. Yeah. Hey, shout out to the Mannings for thinking about my podcast future. I appreciate <laughs> yeah, you guys. Absolutely. All right, we got some really good matchups in week nine coming up here. Uh, Time to get to some quick picks. Joe, Jets at Colts on Thursday Night Football. Who you got? Yeah, we're starting with the best one right off the bat. Unfortunately, Mike White, (laughs) I'm sorry to say that the Colts, they got some film on you right now, and we are not going to see a redo of what you did last weekend. Colts got a great defense, and they're going to win this one. Yeah, I got the Colts. No more sneaking up on a Mike White, but I hope you play well because I am for a quarterback controversy in New York. All right, next up, we got the Hawk Bowl. My mm. two teams, Browns at Bengals, AFC North matchup. Joe, who you got? Yeah, Baker Mayfield always plays best with his back against the wall. The Browns, they follow his lead. So the Browns know they can't go down 0-2 in the AFC North. They're going to go down to Cincinnati and win this one because if they don't, they know that their playoff hopes are pretty much dashed. Oh, man, I am not prepared to make a pick here. I think a pissed-off Joe Burrow is scary, and they're at home – Ugh. I, I'm I'm gonna pick 
I'm going to pick the Bengals, man. Wow. I, I, this might change. So You've check changed. back on my social media. I, I, I just feel like the Browns are a little more banged up. Uh, than we realize. All right, next game, Vikings at Ravens. Joe, who you got? Yeah, this one's all Ravens. Lamar Jackson's going to take this thing over. And the Vikings, they're ready to put uh, a Viking sword right in the middle of their Viking ship and sink it right to the ground. <laughs> they're done with Mike Zimmer. They're done with Kirk Cousins. The fan base, they can't stand them. And it's over. They're just going to give up, and the Ravens win this one big. Over. If you can't stop Cooper Rush, good luck with Lamar Jackson. I got the Ravens, too. Packers at Chiefs. Joe, is this a trap game? Are you going with the Chiefs? How, how funny is it that we're saying when you play Chiefs, it's a trap game because they stink and you're going to overlook them. I got the Packers. They're doing too many things while they're probably going to get a lot of their studs back healthy in this game. And the Chiefs were barely able to beat the Giants, who I do not think very highly of. So the Chiefs, they're just going to continue to turn the football over and play bad defense, play right into the Packers' hands. Yeah, I'm going Packers. But if the Chiefs can somehow pull it off, I feel like a lot of people will jump back on the Chiefs bandwagon. Are they a wild card team that nobody wants to see? All right, last game. We got the Titans at the Rams. Joe, who you got? Rams are the best team in the NFL after the Von Miller trade. This is an easy one. Rams win big. Rams win big, man. They got to get Adrian Peterson off the practice squad to give themselves a real chance. (laughs) I'm going with the Rams, too. And I'm also changing my Browns Bengals picks to the Browns. That's it for this edition of the Tom and Hawk Football Show on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate you listening. Joe, final thoughts. Yeah, my final thoughts are for a good laugh and make you feel happy for the day. Go to Wikipedia and look up Mike White's Wikipedia page. The guy played phenomenal football last weekend and his Wikipedia looks like it's a LinkedIn page. He's sitting there in his little polo with like a necklace around his neck. One that you would find at uh, some type of convention that you'd go to like an insurance convention. So uh, congrats (laughs) to the insurance salesman, Mike White, for the big weekend last week. Hope it uh, carries the happiness through this week because it's not going to continue when you see the Colts. Reminder, make sure you listen to our Monday minicast exclusively on Amazon Music and make sure to follow the Tom and Hawk football show on Amazon Music so you don't miss anything. Joe Hawk yourself.